Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. So welcome to the Toxin Tasting Studios. This is the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. The Vicar 16.0 is in the house. All right. And uh, we got uh, a drink here. Uh, Vicar brought the drink. Yeah. So... This is kind of a, a holiday special in uh, the Kroonblad house, and I'm talking about the house that I grew up in, but maybe the tradition's carried on. I have for you, it's the delicacy of the kid table at the oh. Kroonblad house. We've got some non-alcoholic white grape juice cocktail by your favorite family farmer-owned Welch's. Wow. That's pretty uh, high class, I tell you what. I think you picked a good job. I don't think Berg's very jealous today. <laughs> nope. But, you know, it is nostalgic. It reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. If if Vicar sounds good today, that's because uh, I'm borrowing a nicer microphone so that you can see, hear, what it could sound like. That's so, right. It's true. We're getting a little feedback in our ears. It doesn't sound good, but I assure you it sounds good. Remember, it, you know... You, we just had Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and all that kind of stuff. So remember, remember us in your giving this year. And this is going to be be a, a fun show, I think, because we're all... Peter, I think you're pretty tired, right? Peter. Yeah, you woke me up for this recording. I know I'm pretty tired. Yeah, I'm not at 100%. So, <laughs> so maybe that'll make for a good show. It will. So... Uh, um, I guess let me try your uh, Welch's here. <laughs> oh yeah, very sweet. <laughs> yeah, sugar might be the second or third ingredient. So, uh, I think it might be the first ingredient, Vicar. <laughs> Actually, your uh, your sparkling filtered water. Oh, does it have more sugar or juice? Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, Berg, what are you preaching on? Well, uh, to all of our listeners, Happy New Year, because we are now in the season of Advent, which is the beginning of the church year. And this is uh, Advent. It comes from a Latin word, which means coming, because during this time, this penitential season for four weeks leading up to Christmas, uh, we celebrate our Lord's coming. Uh, we are watchful and we prepare for it. And so I believe this Sunday really focuses on Christ's um, second coming. That's right. And uh, what is the... Uh, oh, is, I'll, I'll get the text for you here. It's, All right. Yeah, Luke chapter 21. Uh, and it it's talking about the signs of uh, the end of the world uh, and the coming of Christ. And, and Christ also uses the fig tree. Uh, to mm-hmm. teach about this. And uh, near the end of the text, he uh, exhorts his disciples to stay awake and watch, which is uh, what you touched on for Advent. So that's the text. I remember my first year as a pastor, I really preached the second coming hard for like all three of the last Sunday of the church year, right? Right, and, and then was, you get it again. I was so excited. <laughs> oh, it's Advent. I get to change things up. And then, oh, wait. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it hits you again hard, and that's and that's that's kind of a good thing, right? Because right. it is our hope, right? The 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 second coming of Christ is not something that Christians are scared of. In fact, mm-hmm. Jesus tells us to lift up our heads because our redemption draws nigh, right? Uh, the the one who has redeemed our bodies is coming. The one who will right every wrong is coming, and he will usher in a new age a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And so that is a a wonderful thing for us to remember uh, as the days get shorter, um, as as our political situation gets darker, because I'm sure we'll start getting all those phone calls and stuff for... I'm getting them already. So, (laughs) um, and as, you know, uh, because this world gets kind of dark sometimes, and so it's good for us to remember that, that Christ is coming again. Uh, and that is a that is a great thing for us. It's uh, I think it's 
it's really interesting when when we have texts where Jesus is preaching and teaching um, very specifically, uh, it's almost as if the sermon writes itself because near the end of this text, uh, Jesus gives us uh, what we need to hear in the law. Uh, that is, you know, do not be weighed down by the cares of this life. Uh, don't be weighed down with um, drunkenness. Uh, that the last day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Right. And uh, and we also get in this passage and, and this preaching from Jesus, the line, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. And as we consider the, the second coming of Christ and the end of the world, we really consider what what is going to stay, what endures through eternity. Mm-hmm. And God has given us his word, um, his word of promise, uh, and that, that word that will ring true when the last trumpet sounds and and the dead are raised. Uh, very good, Vicar. I'm looking forward to that sermon. <laughs> He's got a little work to do. Yep. <laughs> and I actually, uh, I'm not preaching on Sunday. However, I did preach today a funeral, sir. Funeral. So, um, what was your what was the text? Uh, well, it was kind of refreshing in, in that uh, the family uh, asked for a couple of hymns. They asked for a mighty fortress. Nice. And uh, behold, a host arrayed in white. Mm. Yeah. So a little Brorson, I believe, right? Who wrote that? I believe so. It's a Swedish hymn. Beautiful. And uh, and so uh, with that in mind, I, I chose uh, from Revelation 7. Yep. And uh, one thing I, I kind of picked up on the fact that uh, when you th- look at that, the host arrayed in white, what does it say? What does the elder say? He says, when John asks, who are these? And he says, these are they who have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that is, is the fact that Right off the bat, it says, basically, that they were sinners who needed to be washed clean. Mm-hmm. That when you look at those precious saints, uh, by saying that they were washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, that their own righteousness would not do. Right. But what a blessing it is that they bear the righteousness of Christ, the blood of the Lamb. And so so there, when you look at that heavenly heavenly, heavenly band already, right off the bat, it's, it's basically saying... They're forgiven. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say, this lamb has now become their shepherd. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, when I was writing the sermon, I was a little stuck. And one thing I do when I'm a little stuck is I just go ahead for a funeral sermon and, and talk about the resurrection right away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and say, well, this is, you know, uh, this is uh, um, what, how Jesus rose from the dead, and this is why it gives us hope. And then, and then I went into the text, so... Mm-hmm. So if you ever get stuck pre- writing a funeral sermon, uh, not that I get stuck stuck. So for me, it's just getting started sometimes. Once I get started, it, it's, it goes well. But but uh, oh, I'll preach resurrection to get me going. Right. That you will get your body back. You don't become an angel. Mm-hmm. You know, this body isn't like a caterpillar that gets goes into its tomb of a chrysalis and then comes out a beautiful butterfly, right? But the body that you have now will be your body. It'll be transformed, but you will get this body back. So, so that was a. Uh, I like preaching funerals. Does that make me weird? No, I I enjoy preaching funerals too. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, uh, you know, they finished like it's like preaching a congratulations speech, because like all the work is done now, right? Yeah. There's no more struggling. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. Right, they finished the race. They kept the faith, and you really don't have to hammer the law home very hard because the law is already there, right before them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. everyone comes thinking of death. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, preaching the gospel and being able to really hone in on that is a wonderful thing. Right when people, a lot of people are probably the most receptive to hear it. So, indeed. So if my voice sounds a little tired. I had that and some other stuff. And uh, I haven't been home yet today, so yeah, you've you've gone many miles today, so <laughs> so so uh, Peter, I have to say something as we, as we get we get into the top twelve list, and that is uh, um, uh, when I listened to the podcast from last week, your uh, 
the sound effects that you gave for the magic bullet, the silver bullet, made me laugh really hard. <laughs> I really? Yes. <laughs> I'm glad it you was liked like it. perfectly super annoying. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that that uh, it's a it's a good segue because I I kind of need to laugh today, right? Okay. Uh, when I uh, my lovely daughter, I took her back to school yesterday, and uh, you know uh, when your daughter tells tells you, "Hey, Dad, you should consider a little more self care." <laughs> And I get a Uh-oh. lecture from my my daughter that, hey, Dad, you know, make sure you take care of yourself. <laughs> so one way I like to take care of myself is to laugh. So, Peter, I'm going to give you a few assignments here. I hope that's okay. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, I'll give you the right. This is going to be the sound effects episode because your sound effect made me laugh so much that maybe not so much with Berg. Unless he wants it, or Vicar, but uh, you can add whatever sound effect to what I'm saying. <laughs> the whole show. Okay. <laughs> and it's going to be super ridiculous and annoying, but remember, listener, this is part of my self-care that my daughter... <laughs> she told you to do this. She told me to do this, and this is part of my self-care. My self-care is laughing. My self-care is uh, watching a video where someone gets hurt, not permanently... <laughs> Not super violently. Are these those YouTube videos you showed me about these Russian people who do ridiculous things? Yeah, so, you know, and, and one thing that really makes me laugh is stupid sound effects. So, Peter, this will be our stupid sound effects because I just need a silly episode. I need to laugh a little bit. And uh, and your goal is, especially when I get to the top 12 list, because my top 12 list is really stupid. Okay? You do is that all right with you, Bert? That's great. <laughs> Can I have something stupid today? A- absolutely. <laughs> I-, I will do my best. So, so Peter, what I would like for you to do, and I actually haven't written this out yet. I need to do this, or I will get super confused. If I thought <laughs> well, that that might add to the fun of it all, right? Okay. So, yeah, just do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do it live. Uh, okay, here we go. So, before we get, we get a, a ahead with this, Peter, why don't you go ahead and play the intro? Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. All right, so this is my top 12 list. You ready? Okay. What I did was I took um, the top 12 numbers, 1 through 12. Yeah. And I ranked them. (laughs) 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 Why? Because this is about self-care for me. All right? All right. Yeah, okay. All right, and so I, Peter, you're gonna have to dress this up with some sound effects, okay? Some now, please, a couple of rules for you, Peter. Okay, uh, as much in in my private life as that would make me laugh for the podcast, no bodily function noises. <laughs> oh, that takes out like eighty percent of my pool. <laughs> no burps, no farts, really? Come on, I'm trying to keep it classy here. It's it's a family show. It actually is a family show. People people sit around and they listen to the like, phone. How about like a like a pit fart? Like you know, like it's not technically a bodily function. So this is this is this is one of those episodes where it's behind the collar, right? Yes. Sometimes we just need to laugh. Indeed. So So you ready for this, Peter? Uh born ready. Number twelve. Number five. Any any particular reason? Uh, Does it just look weird or? Yeah, I mean, it's five. It's it's I think overemphasized. Like five golden yeah. rings. You can count by fives. Yeah, big deal. You know, it's very uh, uh, consumerized number. I think. Abraham Lincoln. So, number eleven. Two. Number eleven is two. Really? Wow. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You just hate two, like I know. I, I, no, like two can be as bad as one. Or I like two; it's just less favorite it's, than the other than ten the other. numbers I've chosen ahead of it. <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> that brings us to number ten. Number ten. Six.
six. Six. Okay, I understand that one. Like, right. I mean, from a spiritual perspective, spiritual point right? Of view. You know. But there's no spiritual thought behind I, this. Yeah, this is just. <laughs> you put a lot of effort in this week. <laughs> <laughs> number nine. Oddly enough, number nine. Look at that. Baker, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of this so far? Any arguments? I'm still scratching my head over two. Are you? Yeah. If, if you want to argue with me about the top 12 12s, 12 numbers. <laughs> where, where can they reach us at, Baker? <laughs> Well, they could email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. And uh, I think you could build a, a strong argument that two should break the top five. You think so? Oh, yeah. So would, would uh, two be on your Mount Rushmore of 12 numbers? <laughs> Ooh. Yes. Yes, I think it would. Do we need a real talk here? <laughs> yeah. Vicker, come on, explain yourself. Real talk. Well, you know, uh, two is something that God has given us to two eyes, two ears, mm-hmm. two feet, two hands, two lungs, two lungs, kidneys, two kidneys. I had a great uncle who had four kidneys once. Well, for real? Yeah. Is that possible? <coughs> oh yeah. That's weird. It just seems that two is the number. You know, it's it's two of one. You know. Two more than one. One and one I and think two. Two more than one is three, right? Okay, well, okay. Uh, two. Oh. I thought I was done with math. I'm sticking with my list here. Okay. You can argue with me, but we we can go back and forth about number. Or two. if we can get in a Twitter war about this. Right. I mean, that would be amazing. Hey, so, you guys, you guys can't, you can't, you can't deny the list. I mean, he's put literally minutes of work into this. Okay. <laughs> I mean. Less. This is one of Less. this is a monumental magnum <laughs> opus here. Right. This is this is this is something I think that no one's ever really done before. I'm gonna put more work putting in one sound effect on this than you spent for the entire list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm getting number eight. Now. We are number eight. Number eight. Number four. Okay. I mean, what has four ever done for you? Uh, Warned me of a golf ball, incoming golf ball. Four! That's true. Yes. See, they didn't say four, and I got hit in the head once with a golf ball. So, cautionary tale. Four! 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 Number seven. Number seven is number 11. (laughs) (laughs) 7-Eleven. If it's not around the house... I mean, you can argue. You just wanted like a Slurpee or something, right? (laughs) Number six. Number eight. Hmm, hating on eight, huh? Now we got some good ones now. What numbers are left? Do you remember? There, there are a lot. There are literally an infinite amount of numbers left. No, this is my. I'm ranking the twelve numbers. So. Oh, the twelve numbers. Okay. I right. think. Uh, I think ten is so, still on the board. Right. So we've got uh, seven. One, three, seven, ten, and twelve. Ooh. Mm. Some biggies there, right? Yeah. Do you think I at least got my last five right? Besides, no bigger be five besides two. Right. Besides two. But, yeah. Yeah, but the rest solid. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're still kind of a newlywed, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think Berg is more of a newlywed than I am. <laughs> Actually, that that is true. <laughs> Have you heard the latest fresh idea? It's something new, something good. 7-Eleven's new Super Dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> what number are we on? <laughs> Uh, six? By the way, one thing I want to do this five. is just one thing. We're talking about self-care, right? Right. Is that bewildered, this is idiotic look that you get on your face. 
makes me so happy, Bird. <laughs> that looked like, what is going on? I did not go to seminary for this. A warm, fresh, 100% quality meat hot dog. Topped with our own special spicy chili, cheese, and fresh onions. Number five. This was a tough one. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Because, because now you're getting down to it. Right, because as soon as you, you say, you know, but I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to have to go with 10. I'm okay. Have to go with 10. This is fine. I'm okay with the events that are unfolding currently. That's okay. Things are going to be okay. It's interesting because you've done kind of like, uh, for number eight was four, right? And now for five, it's 10. That's, that's oh. no, that's kind of interesting. The pattern. Inside Bohagen's mind. Number four. Number four is seven. Okay. Nice. That's a nice number. <laughs> All right. Number three. Number 12. You like 12. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I made a list after it, right? You did. I mean, I thought that'd be your number one, but. No. Uh, my number one is. Uh, a secret. Uh, no, my Chick-fil-A with a lemonade. Hey, Chick-fil-A, the taste worth shopping for. <laughs> <laughs> number two. Mm-hmm. Very Trinitarian, right? Very Trinitarian. And then that finally brings us to number one. And number one is number one. one. So. So, Vicar, any arguments on the, the last few there, on the top uh, 12 numbers? I don't think so. I think number one, you know, it's, it's, it's fought hard from, mm -hmm. from the very beginning. It's had, a, it's had a good run, and it's at the top, but it better look out because mm -hmm. I, uh, I think three is gaining on it. You think so? Yeah. If we did this top 12 list in another year, mm -hmm. I, think, uh, I think one might be unseated. And... Uh, Cast down to four or five. Yeah, I heard oh. number three did really good in the Whoa. combine this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually pretty offended. You you put number one at number one. Uh, you know, number one has always been number one. You got to give someone else a chance, man. There's only Ooh. it's like, you know, everybody hates number one, right? Like no one likes right. the Patriots. Well, well, the thing is, I mean, if if the other numbers want a top number one, they just got to do better. If you think about it, if they're all all the other numbers are trying to be number one, they literally are more like each one they, of those. But if are they're trying to be number one, that means they're trying to be what number one already is, <laughs> in its very essence. <laughs> so, so by nature, those other numbers, they're already trying to not be themselves, Berg. It's they're okay, trying to so be this, number one. So this is an ontological thing. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so. So uh, uh, I, I'm glad that my my top 12 list can – I really view my top 12 list today as kind of a, a program to draw people in. So, Right. If you want other people to hear this train wreck, direct them to the Clerical Errors <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, By the way, here's some more sound effects it. just for fun. <laughs>
right. And here's, so here's just your guns again. You like those, right? Here. <laughs> so, right. You know what? I like that one. Let's do that one again. Here. You know, I, I won't be able to listen to this podcast while I'm driving because I will be drooling. I guarantee you. I will be drooling when I'm listening to this. I'd be laughing so hard. So I can't can't wait, Peter. So that brings us to Berg's Bodacious Blasphemies. Peter, play the intro. Berg's Bodacious Blasphemies is the part of the show where Berg seeks to sell you ancient damn delusions by repackaging them for modern consumption. In short, Berg makes bad stuff sound bodacious. So last time, you know, I've been doing this series on the Silver Bullet Blasphemies. Oh, I can can play that one again. Here. Yep. (laughs) 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 And so last time we talked about, uh, you know, one of the Silver Bullets is the program, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, my next one is like the complete opposite of that. It's it would all be better if we could just burn it all down. Okay. Okay. Because you know, and I think a lot of pastors feel this way, right? They get tired of the inertia. They get tired of kind of treading water, right? Um, it takes a long time to uh, make good, solid changes in a congregation, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes, you know, pastors get frustrated with that. They get frustrated with, like, that's not how we've always done it, right? Mm-hmm. Or that your predecessors started something that, you know, has kind of come back and bitten you, right? Right. And so, you know, I think the temptation out there is if we could just burn it all down, if we could just start over, if we could just start from scratch uh, and church plant or do whatever, you know, it would all be awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we see that that's not the case either, right? That's not what we see in the Bible, right? Jesus mm-hmm. doesn't actually break from all traditions, right? Mm-hmm. He actually returns to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. He breaks with those traditions that uh, are um, inspired by men and that actually make the Word of God of no effect, right? Right. And by the way, sometimes I find I, I find some of the changes that churches might do just kind of laughable where there's a church that says, okay, we're going to burn everything down, man. Our church time is going to be at 10, 12. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who am I to judge? Really? I just rank the top 12 numbers. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, and I think it's easy just for us to lose perspective in that it's, like our congregation, how we want things to be. Um, And, you know, I was reading on Facebook the other day uh, a Lutheran pastor who actually says something pretty darn good here um, that I thought was really, really helpful. He writes, A thought, to what extent does a lack of trust, perhaps well-deserved, play into the tensions within our synod even more so than the surface differences? Consider, most of us didn't get to start a congregation from scratch. We inherited practices and people who had other teachers before us and who are frankly in different parts of the country with different social tensions. We don't get dropped into ideal situations. Our congregations are all works in progress, and frankly, they will never be ideal. I say this fully acknowledging that there are some practices that I inherited here that I don't overly like. But the changing of them will probably take time and perhaps won't even fall to me. My predecessor paved the way for me to bring about some wonderful things. Hooray every week, weekend communion. Perhaps it will fall to my successor to be the one who cleans up some stuff. But this sort of approach requires a certain level of trust. Trust that the person who has the call at a specific place will act as they ought. And that if they do something that I wouldn't prefer that there is a thought out and pastoral reason so to do. That even if a congregation is not where they should be on something, that there is movement or thought about what about going to where they should be. I don't think that the problem in our fellowship is first and foremost the variety we see. I think th- things stem from a lack of trust, perhaps even a lack of respect 
for the call that another holds. And because of this distrust, we remove ourselves from the wandering and strange pastors, and they wander and become even more strange. Hence, clerical errors. Right. <laughs> and then and then he ends with, uh, hence, an appeal and exhortation. This year, go talk to the guys in your circuit. Be kind to them, even if they do stupid things. Ask and listen as to why they do something and befriend them, and perhaps we all will grow as we ought. So I thought that was actually a really nice sentiment, you know, that, uh, yeah. you know, we're like, we actually should, like, we should actually believe that uh, we're all trying to get to the same goal. Right. You know, and that uh, unless somebody. Because, because you know, uh, people do things differently, there's a tendency to, to, uh, to, to try and guess what their intentions were. Right. And, um, and to, to uh, make aspersions on, on things that we have no idea. And and I think on that same note is, is this is uh, sometimes pastors could be this is a, a note especially to new pastors mm-hmm. is to remember that uh, you might be frustrated at sometimes with certain practices of a congregation and and to remember that uh, you know they are a product of also the kinds of things that they were taught in years past those things just didn't come out of a vacuum right and, and so. So to 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 love them and to seek to to bring about change certainly, but with patience, right? Because really, when it comes down to it, I do believe that everyone wants usually usually the same thing. Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about last time about uh, kind of an ageism thing where we want younger people or that kind of thing, and I think that's a little different. But but ultimately, I think people they do want to be faithful, they do want to mm-hmm. be Christians. They do want to receive the forgiveness of sins and live a life that reflects what they believe. Mm-hmm. I really, yeah, I mean. I, I think that goes back to, remember when I, when I did the, the, the kind of, if I were to start scratch from a confirmation, kind of blew it up. Right. <laughs> but, but one of my, I think, really, one of the most important things is really buying in. Right. That everyone buys in. Even if it for them it may not be ideal or they may not wonder is this going to work or not. If everyone buys in and everyone is on the sage same page as far as well, we're going to to really really try this, right? Without well, I think it should be this way and arguing about the details because because that 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 kind of um, it detracts. But whether it's confirmation or all sorts of things. Um, and I think it does. It, I think he hit it on the head there that it really is a lack of trust, mm-hmm. that we don't trust that we'll be taken care of, mm-hmm. um, and that we have to look out for our own interests. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree. It's, uh, it is. It's one really, it's, it's a big thing that, um, you know, not everything. And, you know, we also have to realize, too, as pastors and as congregation members, cultures don't change overnight. And the congregation is usually a lot older than you are. And so it has a much longer history, a much longer culture. Um, and those things take a long time to change, whether for good or for ill, right? Right. Um, that's a small C conservative, right? Mm-hmm. That it that they, they do conserve what has been, you know, in the past. A lot of times it's a very good thing. And sometimes it's not a very good thing. But I think our greatest uh, example of this is actually the Reformation because Luther didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Neither did any of the other reformers. Right. They kept the service. They kept the vestments. They kept the, gla- the stained glass windows. They kept the statuaries. And then right? there, were, there, were, uh, there were kind of other groups that, that did that kind of died out. Right. Or our, um, like, for example, um, John Calvin, they didn't have organs. And they would sing uh, the. How do they like breathe and stuff? Ha! <laughs> yes, not that kind of organ. <laughs> they were but, just a shell of themselves. But like they would whitewash walls. They would get rid of all the wonderful paintings. They would, uh, and they would only sing the Psalms. So actually, the first book published in the United States was a Calvinist, a Reformed uh, book of Psalms, because that was their hymnal. That's all they would sing. If it wasn't from the Bible, they didn't sing it. 
Uh, now, of course, the Reformed Church has changed quite a bit, right? And they have things like crosses and stained glass windows. Honestly, that is all very, very new in America. Uh, really, it came in with the Gothic Revival in the 1830s and 40s. Mm -hmm. So really, it's uh, all of these things are very, very new uh, in churches. And so sometimes I think everybody has to take a step back and look at the perspective, look at 100 years, look at 500 years, look mm -hmm. at 1,000 years. Um, because when you're a Christian, you're part of something that's way bigger than you. You are part of a body that is as old as the world itself, that began with our first parents, and which will endure until the end of time. And you are a link in that chain. And so what we pass down is can be really good. And sometimes the things that we pass down aren't always so good. And so I think being very mindful of that, um, and remember that, you know, it's not like, you know, Chesterton talks about the democracy of the dead, right? That, um, it, it, <laughs> of course, it, yes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a way of talking about that tradition actually matters because, um, honestly, for a Christian, the dead are still living, right? That's what you preached on today, right? right? That those who believe in Jesus live even though they've died. Um, and so this great cloud of witnesses is, is still, we're still a part of them, right. right? And we should, one way of showing respect to them, going back to your podcast, on, your top 12 on respecting the elderly, mm -hmm. well, we could say respecting the dead, right? Or the risen yeah. saints, right? That um, remembering what they did and um, what their practices were and maybe saying, hey, um, they did it better than we do. And we should, you know, learn from that right. and emulate that. Because I think, I think, uh, Obviously, I think um, older folks or younger folks can respect the opinions of older folks, and older folks can learn to respect more the younger. Right. It goes both ways. Right. Um, because oftentimes the young, the young have a zeal and a deep hunger for, for knowledge. Um, and I think oftentimes well, what are called Lutherans, right? People mm -hmm. who, who are new Lutherans who probably learned about the faith on online, right? Mm -hmm. um, they come in and they're very zealous. Um, and they, they do. They have a certain idea of what the church should be. And then they enter a church, mm -hmm. a congregation, and it's very, very different. Mm -hmm. um, and that can, be, that can be very hard for, um, for someone who is a Lutheran. Right, right, and and and, and is if you look on the, the the kind of the scheme of things, this is what kind of cracks me up about our own church body is, is uh, is the thing that we argue amongst ourselves in our in our Lutheran Missouri Synod circles is uh, is not what other church bodies are arguing about. You know, we have so much in common, right, with each other. And and there's so many things that make us so different, and then we get kind of the devils and the details of of, of of that. And certainly, that's what makes us that what makes a strong church body is to be able to discuss and hammer those things out because they're very important. Right. But we still have so much in common with with each other more than we'd like to say sometimes. And, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to trust, you know, but. That's that's what we do, right? Vickery, mm -hmm. were you have something to say? Well, I, you, you saw the Synod at Convention firsthand, you know, last year, and you saw the commonality. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I remember you saying that the majority of the resolutions passed. Nine, Overwhelmingly. Yeah, 96, 97, 98%. Right. So. And, 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 and those would be things that would be very, very controversial. Whether it's uh, God created the world in six days, right, or marriage between uh, one man and one woman, right, uh, right, and that's not to say we don't have our problems, no, um, and that we should move towards a greater orthodoxy. We should, um, and that should be done on the basis of the Word of God. But yeah, we've got we've got so much, like you said, and uh, and I hope that people will learn to trust one another like we have in our circuit here, mm -hmm. you know, um, that would be, it makes for a much, much healthier 
parish, congregation, um, and also the church at large. So, All right, that brings us to our, uh, I always get this wrong. Concentrationally impaired Bible study. Peter, play the intro. Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the Impaired Concentration Bible Study. One verse, one verse only. There's my favorite song. You're really in the mood for it tonight. <laughs> All right, Peter, did you? can you spin the wheel? Sure, I'll spin the wheel. All right, this wheel I found must really like the the good old proverbs i got proverbs 16:3 proverbs 16:3 commit your work to the lord and your plans will be established well uh yeah i mean this is the same thing that jesus says right in the gospel of matthew seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you right sure. that um that uh, when you you know when you believe in in Christ, when uh, you receive his benefits, um, you strive to commit your way to the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And he tells us that the righteous shall shall never be ashamed. Um, and so even if our plans don't always succeed, and I think that's something even in our in our culture that we're so afraid of, right? Oftentimes this verse could be taken as a hurrah verse, right? That well, if you really commit your way to the Lord. You know, you'll, you know, you, all your business ventures are going to go well, right? Right. You'll be a millionaire, right? That's what the, <laughs> that's, that's what the prosperity gospel guys say, right? Uh, but that's not what this what is was talking one, about. the new story we had about the pastor who, in Minneapolis, who closed a church, but then opened a house church in his mansion, Lakeside yeah. Mansion. But yeah, I, you know, this is not, this is not talking about that, right? That not everything that we do, and in our culture, we're so afraid of failure, we don't want anybody to ever fail. We don't want them to feel bad. Um, but sometimes failure is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes failure is a very good thing. Uh, having challenging things that test your mettle uh, are not bad things. Um, and perhaps the plans that you had were not very good plans. Right. Uh, which is why God actually doesn't allow them to succeed. Because, um, like, for example, when um, King Jehoshaphat builds uh, a navy uh, in order to do business with the pagan unbelievers and with the syncretistic northern kingdom, right, God shipwrecks his uh, his whole fleet, right? Mm-hmm. They're one foray into naval power and, like, God, <laughs> God, you know, God basically tips them over in the bathtub, like, you know, the... Um, and the whole point of that is, is that what he was and he was a good and godly king right but what god god didn't want him you know having these relationships with with these people right right and so that's the thing um god is a good father he's not going to let you do things that are that are going to destroy you mm-hmm. and so that's why sometimes failure is a good thing it's not a bad thing and, and and I think uh, part of that verse then is an inverse, mm-hmm. is is to realize that God's plan for you is already established. Right. In the in the Catechism, we learn we we learn that what is a good and gracious will. Right. Is when is that when he breaks and hinders every evil plan, purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful, sinful nature. Na- right, our sinful nature, which does not want us to hallow God's name nor let His kingdom come. It keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die, right? And, and so, so, I mean, you probably didn't ever think about it, but, yeah, you know, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're actually praying against yourself sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a good thing. And, and so because because uh, um, your eternity with Christ is already established, it then also affects your own work right. and how you view what you do each day. And so, because if if your your work that you do is your life, if everything is is uh, in in your your work, and say this is who I am, and this is what I'm about, well, then when you can't do it anymore, you're worthless. You're nothing. Right. But if you remember that that uh, that that uh, I am an eternal child of God, 
as I said a few times today, right? You know, you are alive in Christ forever. That uh, well, that really changed how you even understand your own work and the fact that and your own worth and your own worth and why you do your work mm-hmm. and and how you want to be a blessing to others. And I think that's one thing that plagues a lot of people of a certain generation who are getting older now is that a lot of their a lot of their self-worth is wrapped up in what they can do and what they can't do. Mm-hmm. And um and that's part of the problem. Because got, when they can't do it anymore then right. it's like, well, I'm worthless. I'm no good. Many times I've had to explain to someone and say, "Do you know how it brings you joy to help someone?" And because whether it's making cookies for someone or bringing over a meal to someone in need, and they can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for them to accept help from others. And I have to remind them, well, you remember how how helping people brings you great joy in the way you like to do it? Yeah. Well, why do you want to deny someone else to have that joy? Right. You know, because they care about you. So so because sometimes the same ones who, who want to, who are very all about helping others, don't like to receive help all the time. <laughs> yeah. And so, so to, hey, why, 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 why deny someone the same joy that you had in helping others? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and with, with people in a nursing home and that kind of thing where, where uh, I remind them too when they, well, well, why am I here? What am I doing here? Well, you know, it's good that people are taking care of you. It's good for them. It's good for their livelihood. It's, mm-hmm. you know, and remember who's writing Proverbs, Solomon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in his youth, he committed his way to the Lord, and God gave him not only great wisdom, which was the one thing he asked for to lead God's people, mm-hmm. but gave him everything else, right? Riches and power. Gold was as common as dust in Jerusalem. I mean, it is uh, the it was the noonday, the noontide of Israel's glory. The temple was established. Israel was rich. They had rest from all their enemies. It was really an imperfect picture of what heaven is going to be like, you know. And um, and so, you know, he's writing from practical experience that God actually did establish his plans too. All right. So that brings us then to, uh, so I think this might be a news that bothers Bullhagen. <laughs> we'll find out. Huh. Peter. Play the intro. There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. All right. So this story uh, given to us by our producer is about his name is uh, Kevin Fast. F-A-S-T? Mm-hmm. Huh. And uh, he is... He is a, a priest who is dubbed the world's strongest priest. Oh, is this this guy with the big beard and he's got a bald head? Yeah. Wait, is it, is it priest or pastor? It says both because then it says Lutheran Church. Hmm. Right. Well, wh- where is it at? Where, where is this guy from? It is uh, in, in, in uh, Canada. Canada. <laughs> it's a Canadian church. <laughs> in Canada. <laughs> Oh, Canadia. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how many listeners we have in Canadia. <laughs> More than Oklahoma. More than Oklahoma. Coburg, <laughs> Canada? C-O-B-O-U-R-G. Wow, that sounds like an awesome place to live, too. Man. So this 51-year-old pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church. Hey. Uh... Still holds nine unbroken world records for powerlifting, including the heaviest plane pulled by a man. Wow! So I got my work to do. Yeah, you've got uh, you got to go clang and bang in the weight room after this. I'm see, I'm looking at a picture, and how do I say this? I kind of think I could take him. <laughs> <laughs> I might be a little faster than him. Probably, probably. What do you think, Pete? You see the picture um, there? Yeah, show I mean, him a few the, of these pictures. The, the the guy, I mean, the guy, the guy looks like a tank. I mean, I especially like the later yeah. ones where he's wearing his uh, clerical. Right. <laughs> well, if you're listening, uh, join the show. 
<laughs> so he has uh, the Guinness for the heaviest truck pulled by an arm wrestling move. Is that a record? I feel like he gets some of these records. <laughs> Anything's a record nowadays, man. Right. Like, I get the record for the world's heaviest hat walked up a 10-foot hill. <laughs> and it'll stand for hundreds of years. <laughs> you seem legitimately bothered by this. You know, I remember I remember one time there was a there was a, like a sixty minute show. Yeah. On uh on Joel Olstein and like everybody in the church watched it. And uh they asked me, Oh, Pastor Bullhagen, did you watch that? And I said, Yes, it made me very angry. Go, well, what made you so angry? The dude said he could bench three hundred and fifty pounds. There's no way he can bench <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the lie detector said that was a lie. <laughs> There's no way. So, all right. No, I mean, unless that guy was bitten by a radioactive spider, I think, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm running out of juice here. <laughs> well, I, t- I so, promised yeah. Jim we'd get to the other part of his question. Can we do that real quick? Peter, play the intro. Confound the clerics. Does this music get you back in your zen mode? Uh, there you go. Hey, hey, Peter, by the way, some... Great clang and bang sounds would be amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm giving you too much work with my laziness. All right. Uh, we got a question from Jim. This is the second half of his question we started with last week. says, uh, can you tell us how we know our pastor is preaching false doctrine so we know when to walk out? This is in reference to a few weeks ago where we were talking about how if your pastor is speaking false doctrine, you should stand up and start singing uh, that one hymn. Oh, oh Lord, look down from heaven, behold. <laughs> okay, yeah. so I would say one one thing is is uh, is know your catechism. Yep, I think that's one 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 of the main reasons why people should know their catechism is that really does help you to learn to spot false teaching. Right. On a whole host of issues. Mm-hmm. So that covers the Ten Commandments, uh, the Creed, who is God, the Lord's Supper, Bap, all those things. Um, forgiveness of sins and the person of Jesus Christ. All those things. So the first thing is how to tell is is to know your catechism, first and foremost. Uh, another thing is, I would say, in answering that question, is is part of it is the church's confession on, the, on a whole, the church body's confession does make a difference. Mm-hmm. If the pastor is willing to abide by certain teachings that, and uh, that is obviously against Scripture, and he might, but yet he agrees to it in some way by participating in it, that 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 is a red flag too. Wouldn't you say? You know what I'm saying? Right. You're saying that if uh, someone who believes that the Lord's Supper is Jesus' body and blood, then would go to an altar where they didn't believe that. Is that, is that kind of what you're I would say about? no. I would say is where, where, um, for example, a pastor seems like he's mostly faithful to the the average person sitting in the congregation, right? Mm-hmm. But the the church body that the pastor is a part of uh, teaches things that you're very uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Now he might not exactly say those things that his church body is teaching, but by not talking about him in a way because you're part of that church body, you're agreeing to it. Right. So so that's another way is the fact that, for example, um, there really is, in, in our synod, um, one, we do have some checks and balances given where a pastor is on a roster, meaning he's been been through theological examination and, and has been tested. It doesn't mean that every pastor's can't err. That's not what I'm saying. Right. So yeah, I mean, you know, we've got checks and balances in the Senate. Sometimes that doesn't always, you know, work out well. Um, the thing is, is that, you know, and Pastor Bullhagen brought it up. That was one point I wanted to bring up is that sometimes your pastor can misspeak or maybe he didn't say something as clearly as he should have said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once again, it comes back to that trust thing. You know, if you, if you know him to be a faithful man, um, Ask him about it, mm-hmm. right? And, First, and, and and then if he continues to say things like, you know, um, 
you know, Jesus wasn't born of a virgin or, um, you know, the world is millions of years old or, um, or that, you know, something like that, or that baptism doesn't actually save. Then, you know, if he comes out and says it very clearly and stands by it, that's when you walk out. Right. But by saying walking out, I don't remember which episode that was. We were not saying at the, the first time you hear something walk out. The example you gave was obstinate false preaching. Right. That was very public. It wasn't the first step. The first step is you go talk to them. Right. And, I mean, that's the thing. And if a pastor does say something publicly in a sermon that was misleading or that was wrong, um, then he should also publicly repent of it, mm-hmm. you know, um, because that's that's an important thing. Because how can we expect people to publicly repent of their sins if we are if we're not willing to do the same things ourselves? All right. Hopefully, we answered your question, Jim. And we have an, we have another one. All right, and we got a question from Hannah, referring to wedding rings. She says, "Hello, clerics, Pastor Bullhagen. When you clang and bang in the weight room, what is your what do you do with your wedding ring? Do you work out ringless, or do you just swap it out with a silicone band?" Like the kids are wearing these days. By the way, I've never I've never seen a skill, a silicone band, but I have actually. Um, guys who work in uh, in factories and stuff need it. Um, they're they're required, and actually the company would want them to go ringless, but uh, um, you know keep fingers from getting stuck into machinery and that right. kind of thing. My dad almost had his finger taken off uh, with in farm equipment actually hmm. because of that. So, and uh, as far as my wedding ring. Uh, I think you'd almost have to surgically remove my ring. <laughs> I don't know if I could get it off. And uh, I've got calluses all around it. So, so no, I don't. I just, I just, I just, uh, yeah, I don't do anything. I just leave it on. Nice. So. And she has a related question. What is the appropriate amount of money to spend on a ring? Should we spare no expense because it is a representation of an of a holy estate? Or choose something that is nice, modest, and round, be it gold, steel, or tattooed. Okay, well, first thing is, uh, I think um, I could talk about my own wedding ring. Do you know how much my wedding ring cost? I think it was $26. (laughs) (laughs) So, bear in mind, when I got married, we were very poor. Right. We, We were engaged when I was, my wife was just turned 18. And I was 19, and we were married when she was 19, and I had just turned 21. So there's not a lot of money for for that kind of thing. Right. And and, and to me, a wedding ring is uh, – I always go back to I, – I, I really like the, the, the understanding of a wedding ring is kind of like the water of baptism in that – the water itself isn't special. It is the fact that God attaches his word and promise to the water, right? Mm-hmm. I always joke with sometimes with the vicar that after the baptism, he's supposed to drink the water when he's done. <laughs> when, we're, when, I, when I'm done with the baptism, I don't, he doesn't baptize. I have to do the baptism, but anyways. But uh, the wedding ring itself, what it's made of, isn't so important as the promise of, of wedded love and faithfulness attached to the wedding ring. So to yeah. me, I don't, I don't get too caught up in that. What about you, Berg? Yeah, I mean, I I go back and forth because I mine is uh, not very expensive either. Um, I'm glad I I spent a little extra money on my wife's sure wedding ring because <laughs> I mean I think I think that is important. Um, you know, I think it should be in proportion to what you can afford because I think the bigger danger is is that people delay marriage for so long so that way they can have the ring and they can have the $50,000 wedding and all right. this kind of stuff and i think it um god doesn't like god doesn't like that either right right i mean st paul says it very clearly if you burn get married right um and if you can afford something that looks nice i mean it is it is a symbol right mm-hmm. it is a symbol of your wedded love and faithfulness that's what is said in the vows Right. Um, you know, if you can do that, that's awesome. 
but what's more important is that you're actually in the estate, right? Right. Um, just like the symbol um, is not is not greater than the thing it represents. So how many how many quarters did it take for that claw to finally grab your ring? <laughs> I tell you what, man, the claw the claw machine was super hard, you know. <laughs> And so I just went to one of those uh, 25 cent ones and just, you know, <laughs> the first one was actually a ring pop. Okay. So. Oh, and that was the wife's? Yep. <laughs> yeah, because she's so sweet. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> she won't listen to this anyway, so. <laughs> All right. Well, I believe I am done. <laughs> I think I was done a while ago. <laughs> You stuck with it, though, manfully. So, <laughs> And we laughed along the way. We did. And I can't wait to listen to what Peter did to our episode today. Yes. So so uh, thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And I'm Vicar. And uh, may your sound effects be magical. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts questions thoughts concerns you can contact us on facebook at facebook.com slash clerical heirs podcast on twitter at clerical heirs p for podcast or email us at feedback at clerical thanks for listening to clerical heirs see you next time